welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, as you're making your travel plans, remember johnnydollarair.com. johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate link, so you get all of the benefits of going through Priceline.com, but... When you click the johnnydollarair.com affiliate link, part of the purchase price supports the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, when making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, June the 9th, 1953, and the title is The Oklahoma Red Matter. For your listening enjoyment, John Lund as Johnny Dollar. Right to her at Universal Adjustment, Johnny. Oh, hi. How are you, Frank? Well, a little worried at the moment. Can you help me out? Well, that depends on what I have to do. You have to take a little trip for one thing. A farm near Lexington, Kentucky. Well, it's a slow time of the year to get out in the country. What else? Talk to a man named Calcor there. Had a raise for us that insured at sixty-five thousand dollars. I hate to have to pay the premium on that kind of policy. Yeah, that's just it, Johnny. Got a wire on my desk here from a man in Calcord's business office. The horse was seriously injured and it had to be destroyed. Well, no wonder you're worried, Frank. I'll be right over. John Lund in another adventure of a man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Here's truly Johnny While we take a breather from our program, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you know who Uncle Sam's lawyer is? If your answer is the Attorney General, you're absolutely right. But being legal advisor to the President and other governmental agencies is only part of his job. His main task is running the Department of Justice, which makes sure that the laws passed by Congress are carried out, and that lawyers are available when the government must be represented in court. Let me give you an example. Suppose there is some question concerning the amount or kind of tax you should pay, or suppose you and the government don't agree as to which of you own certain land. That's when the Department of Justice steps in to represent the government side of the case. If anyone is brought to trial for counterfeiting, smuggling, gold hoarding, or passport forging, the Department of Justice prosecutes the case. It also handles all matters dealing with legal immigration. And all of this activity is the responsibility of an important member of the President's Cabinet, the Attorney General. Just as it is the duty of the United States government to protect each and every one of you, it is the duty of the Attorney General to protect the government of the United States. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Universal Insurance Adjusters, Suite 814, Kittridge Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Oklahoma Red Matter. 
Business account item one. $107.80. Airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Lexington. Item two, $5 and a half. Transportation from the airport to the Great Southern Hotel. I checked in and changed clothes. Then to an address on Keith Avenue. Dalgore and Company, Incorporated. Mr. Dalgore is never here, Mr. Dollar. Then all of his time at the farm. You'll, you'll have to see him there. Well, maybe I won't have to bother him at all. How about Mr. Monroe? Mr. Monroe isn't with Mr. Kelgo's office anymore. Well, that's funny. He was yesterday afternoon when he sent my company this wire about the policy. He and Mr. Kelgo, uh, ended, please. I, I might as well tell you. Oh. Well, is there anybody else around here I can talk to about this? I, I think you'll have to see Mr. Kelgo. <laughs> phone call to the Calgore farm is disclosed that Mr. Calgore was out for the day. Another half hour of conversation in the office, and the reluctant clerk finally gave me a name and an address. He was a tall, lanky man who never took his hat off. Dr. Pierce, veterinarian. Now, it's Homer Ed, huh? Uh, the people who wrote policy sent me down from Hartford. Is there something wrong? Matter of procedure, doctor. Mr. Calgore's office has filed claims for a $65,000 indemnity. Apparently, Mr. Monroe, who handled these things for Mr. Calgore, is no longer with him. Mm. Yes, I understood the call. And Mr. Calgore is not around at the moment. I don't get it. If Lord Calgore has been down that much in terms, he's got a right to file claim for it. Just good business to get the facts, that's all. You uh, treated him? Yes. The wire said something about a piece of machinery. A tractor with a blade of earth. Red rubbed back into it, hard. Cut through his right hand string all the way to bone. You make out a report in a case like this? In amateur. The man was just like it, hmm? Only had my eye a little bit further to hurt it sometimes. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh. Most of the tenders were cut, huh? The ones that hand fettered were graphic. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's notation about the carcass. Cremated on the premises. Why so fast? Calgore wanted it that way. Well, let me make my job a little more complicated. Unless you took some x-rays. There's a new need to. Well, if you that, you fit in by the time I got there. What do you need him for? Proof that the injury occurred more than anything else. Mr. Calgore called you right after it happened, did he? Okay. I got there maybe ten minutes later. Lloyd was alone with the horse. The minute I laid eyes on that animal, I knew. And you advised Mr. Calgore he had to be destroyed? I didn't have any choice. Did you consider calling in another vet? No, you didn't, Did Mr. Calgar ask you to call in another vet? No, Mr. Dollar. He took me a word for Why don't you? Part of my job, Dr. Pierce. Hmm? I can't take anybody's word for anything. Expense account item three, 30 cents. For the five airmail stamps, it took to mail a copy of the complete injury report to a veterinarian service in Cleveland. Item four, $25, car rental. That afternoon, I drove out to the Calgore breeding farm. Like most of the others I'd passed, it was complete with white fences, rolling hills, bluegrass, and a stately colonial residence, just like the movies. A sullen, attractive girl in her early 20s met me at the door. I told her my name and who I wanted to see. You're not insurance play, isn't it? You hear about rent. Oh, that happened to him, aren't you? That's right. I'm Mr. Calgo. I'm glad to know you. Honest to God, I have read him careful. $65,000. I don't know whether I'm supposed to discuss this with you, Miss Calgo. If Red had gotten on the tracks, this year he'd have doubled that, tripled the problem. 
There's not enough money in the world to accept that horse. He's a great horse. He must have been. I'm sorry this happened. God couldn't have stopped that. Oh, I understand he was injured beyond hope. That's a lie. What's that? Brad couldn't have fought him. He just couldn't have done it. Brad was the only thing around this whole place worth anything. Well, wasn't the horse injured? That's what that I'll tell you. But I can tell you something Lucy, else. What are you talking about, anyhow? It was a terrible thing to do. Go to your room. It was just like murder, and you know it. Lucy! It was murder. Stop it! <laughs> Anytime I've ever had to shoot a horse around here, she gets like that. And that way ever since she was a little girl. I see. I knew I'd have to put up with her action like that. But I'm reluctant to apologize to you for her actions. Ed Pierce told me you were in to see him. I wish he hadn't. I intended to tell you myself, Mr. Chargor. If I've offended you, I'm sorry for it. You look like I'm doing something shady. You could have come to me instead of going to him. I tried to. We have to go to everybody. Dr. Pierce ordered the horse destroyed. Seemed like a fair opening to go to him and ask why. What do you want from me? All the information you can give me about the accident. Now, no matter what you think of me or my methods, I'm the man assigned to this case. This report has to be complete before your claim can be paid. You always handle a case this way. Well, that's the way I'm handling this one. They don't know what they're doing sending a man like you here. You filed a claim by wire. What did you expect? That fool Moss, Monroe, filed the claim. I'd have waited until things around here calmed down a little. Is that why you fired him? That's one reason. Are you here to accuse me of something? Look, there's $65,000 at stake here. We'll pay it out when we're satisfied all the circumstances were proper and not before. I'm not afraid of you, Dollar, or your insurance company. I don't like your snooping around my office talking to my friends about me. No man would. If I don't get my information from you, I'll get it somewhere else. What I've seen of you so far and what information I have got hasn't been in your favor. I don't like that kind of talk. You don't seem to like anything about this. Now, how about it? Do we keep this up, or do we get down to business? The trainer was bringing Red back from his exercise. Outside the stall, Red got scared. Mouse or something, but he reared back into that blaze. When Doc got here, he said Red didn't have a chance, so I shot him, that's all. It's Trainer. What's his name? Jim Knight. He isn't around anymore. I fired him right then and there. Told him to get off my property. Who else is there? No one. The rest of them were up the house having dinner. Oh, fine. How about right afterwards? I just called out to Pierce. We handle it. Then better if you'd left the remains for us to examine. Dollar, I got maybe 150 head on this farm. Now and then accidents happen. If one of my stock is dead, I get rid of it as fast as I can. That's the way I operate. Why? Where can I get in touch with Jim Knight? Where did he go? I don't know. He took the things and cleared out as fast as he could. He knew better than to hang around here. What do you mean by that? What I said, he knew better. That's what I mean. Did your daughter see any of this? Lucy. You know those crazy things she was saying when I walked into the room? And given the crazy circumstances, what she was saying might be worth listening to. Quite three. I'd like to talk to her just the same. Abbott! Abbott! Just a minute, Come. Talk to anybody you like, Dollar. You've already got all the information you're going to get from me. Just a minute, Charles. Just a Show him out. Uh, this way, sir. Never mind. I can find my own way. <laughs> I left Lloyd Calgore. I wasn't sure whether I'd talk to a trained man or not. Calgore's belligerent attitude seemed to permeate the whole farm. The horse handlers I talked to were grumbling and complaining, and I was able to learn nothing from them except a Baltimore address for Jim Knight. However, I did talk to Lucy Calgore again, down by the stables. 
I thought you left a long time ago. I wanted to talk to you before I did. What about, Mr. Dollar? Your business is with my dad, not with me. Well, pardon me if I seem to confuse. Earlier today, you were very anxious to tell me something. Was I? Yes, you were. What is this, anyhow? I wish we hadn't met at all. But we did. And you said there was no need to destroy the horse after it had been injured. Did you mean the horse could have been saved? Did you have a reason for saying something like that? I've... I've just been very upset lately. All of us around here have. Yeah, I'm getting that way myself. That was the best horse we've had in the stable in five years. We've all been counting on him since, since he was a colt. Only the stupid thing happened that just turned all of us upside down. Is that your explanation for the things you said to me? Yes, for the moment. Please don't ask me any more questions right now. Calgore's was turning out to be a dandy pair to deal with. Back in town, I checked on Calgore's financial situation. It was good, as far as the local banks were concerned. <laughs> Expense account item five, $2.20, telegram. One to Hartford requesting further information regarding Calgore's credit standing. The other to Baltimore, Maryland, addressed to Jim Knight. The next morning, I received an answer to the latter. Johnny Dollar. Oh, Mr. Dollar, you want to hold on? Sure. Ready here with your call to Mexico. Go ahead. Oh, Hello? Hello? Is this Mr. Dollar, the man who sent the telegram? Yes. Who's this? I'm Jimmy Knight's mother. The wire said it was important for him to get in touch with you. I thought I'd better call and tell you where you could reach him. Well, that's very kind. Now, he's at the Calgore farm near Mexico. You can reach him there through Mr. Lawrence. Wait a minute. He left there three days ago, Mrs. Knight. Didn't he come home? Why, no. Why, are you sure he isn't at the Calgore place? I'm positive. Do you have any other ideas where he could be? No. But this doesn't sound like him, Mr. Dollar. He couldn't just go off without letting me know about it. Are you sure? Of course, I'm sure he's my son. Maybe there's something wrong. Yeah. Maybe there is. And now, with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. When I talked to Jim Knight's mother in Baltimore, the Calgore claim was just about out of draw. I had a strong suspicion that the death of the horse had not occurred as reported. On the other hand, I had found no apparent reason for Calgore to do away with an animal... It was evidently more valuable than the insurance had carried. It came down again to searching for the only other witness, Jim Knight. I promised his mother I'd have him contact her if I found him anywhere around Lexington. But that didn't seem likely after re-questioning several people at the Calgore farm. Now, this is where Mr. Knight stayed all the time he was here, Mr. Dollar. Uh-huh. You can see for yourself it's all cleared out. Not a stitch left. Did you happen to see him leave? No, sir. Right after the accident, he's gone. Just like that. I wonder if any of the others saw him. 
We've talked about that. Nobody's going to go. Did he have a car? No, sir. Well, he had to have a suitcase or two. How do you suppose he got away from here, then? Adam or Jay. I don't know. He could have lugged him out to the road and flagged himself around or waited for the bus. Maybe someone drove him? Miss Lucy might have said. He drove Mr. Knight around there and then. That business you were telling me about before, you'll have to be looked into, Lucy. Who's that? Because you intimated that your father and Dr. Pierce might be lying about the whole thing. You realize that if there's any truth to that, your father would be liable to criminal charges. I know. I was just trying to put Dad in a bad light. Well, he's not in a very good one right now. It was just a spike in my family, too. Dad and I have been arguing for weeks now. And when I walked in the door yesterday, you saw a way to get back at him, is that it? Something like that. Is uh, that Oklahoma Red up there? Mm-hmm. I took the picture myself. Well, I'm no horseman, but he looks like a lot of horse. He was. You know that the worst broken-down plug who ever pulled a drunk wagon has more dignity than any man who ever lived? Well, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> What's the trouble between you and your father? A man named Jim Knight. Used to work here as a trainer. Yeah, I heard. I was going to ask you about him. Yes, I thought tonight. Jim and I saw quite a bit of each other, and Dad never lost that. Why? Well, I suppose because I'm all he has left. Mother and Bob... He was my older brother. He was killed in an accident a few years ago. Dad had been looking for an excuse to get rid of Jim. Your father doesn't strike me as the kind of man who has to give an excuse to fire someone he didn't like. You think he's mad? What? Nothing. Jim was a good trainer. Very good with Red, and that's important. When the accident happened, I can imagine what Dad had to say to him when he fired him. You know where I can find him now? No. He didn't say a word to me when he left. What do you think about it? Lucy, do you suppose your father will ever calm down enough so I can talk to him? I don't know. The Calgrave have always been a terribly angry bunch of people. Very emotional. There doesn't seem to be much of a let-up these days. Is that what you meant when you asked me if I thought he was mad? I suppose so. It's almost as if he's on the verge of something lately, something desperate. His mood frightens me sometimes. I didn't used to. You know, I was thinking. A couple of years ago, Daddy bought a new car. We were out driving one day, and something went wrong. Well, he was so angry, he just smashed it into a cement wall and left it. Lucy, tell me about Jim Knight. I was in love with him from the first day he came to work here. I still am. That's all it is to I saw Lucy Calgore again the following afternoon when I returned to talk with her father. She told me he was gone and wouldn't be back until evening. I spent some more time with the people on the farm trying to find out anything that would help. But nothing did. That night, when I picked up my key at the hotel desk, there was a message to call Operator 18 in Hartford. It was Frank Ahern. Well, then that angle is practically out, Frank. 
There's just no reason for him to kill that animal that I can think of. How about the other? No one seems to know what happened to Jim Knight. Somehow I feel there's more to it. What it is, I don't know, Frank. The beach thing. How about going to the police and asking them to help you locate that? Something just occurred to me, Frank. What? Caldor hasn't threatened to go to the insurance commission or the sewers yet. Oh, that's usually pretty sad with a man like this. Yeah, it is. If he's got a just claim. What is it now, Mr. Dolly? It's late. I just talked to my office in Hartford, Dr. Pierce. They aren't very happy with the way this case has been going. You think so? They're about ready to close it and call me home. Well, you mean they'll pay you the claim? No. I don't mean that at all. Hmm? Look, Doctor. I spent some time checking you out because you're one of the parties who can help settle this thing. You've been in practice around Lexington for 32 years. People think a lot of you. And they take my word. Well, I don't. I can't. I'd hate to see a nice guy like you get the book. I think I can stop it if you'll cooperate. The book? What do you mean? Forget I'm an insurance investigator. I'm just a guy giving you some information. When I said my adjustment company is ready to close the case, I mean that Calgore will have to sue for a settlement. And court will have to produce Jim Knight and prove his story. If what we have so far, he'll lose the suit, and the insurance company will file charges against him for attempting to defraud. And they won't fool around. It's more if it's tougher than an insurance company when somebody's trying to cheat him. And, uh, you'll have to be in court, too. No. You see what I mean? Yeah. Well, how about it? I've been here. And he asked you to lie for him. That's understandable to me. But in a court, it's perjury. False testimony. What is it? That's up to the company. I'll have to hear your part of the first. Oklahoma Red was dead when I got there. He hadn't been in any action. Lloyd made me promise to tell you that. Lloyd just got it. Just got it? Why? Well, Red wasn't the horse Lloyd thought he was. Great confirmation that he just wouldn't earn. Lloyd got to know what he saw. And Mike saw it. Read it? Yes. Lloyd probably didn't remember. Go with it. I don't know. He's losing his mind, I think. I've heard that about him before. From who? Lucy? Yeah. He had a reason. I got there. I've known Tom Gore. Expense account item six, thirty-five cents. I lost it on a payphone trying to get in touch with Calgore. No one answered, so I drove out. Somebody open up. Uh, Mr. Dollar, sir. Good evening. Hello, Abbott. Can you hear me? 
Maybe this ain't such a good time to be coming around. Is Mr. Calgar back yet? Yes, sir, he is, but I'd like to see him. Uh, Mr. Dollar, please, I... All right, Miss Lucy. Hello, John. Well, it's not in a very good mood. Neither am I. Hey, you've been crying. What's this? Oh, I just think she's over the horizon. Oh, there, there now. Oh, John. I'm very happy. Take your hands off her. What? I said take your hands off her. I'll kill you. Oh, Lucy. Lucy, baby. What? Lucy. Wow. Pretty heavy pain. I'll get a doctor. No, I'm. Where'd he go? I don't know. What's that mean? Danny, did you hear? About killing someone else? You were talking about Danny. Danny. What's the matter? I called the local sheriff's office and then took a look around the grounds. All the cars were still in the garages. Then I heard some sort of disturbance near the stables. Don't come any closer. I've got a shotgun here. I got a gun, too. All away from here. The police will be here any minute. This won't do you any good. Calgar. Be better if you're in the house, ready to make a statement. Dr. Pierce told me he lied for you. And you said you killed someone. Was it Jim Knight? I told you to go away from here. You better come out. I'm going to pay the whole bunch of you. Don't do anything foolish. <laughs> you didn't have to do it this way, Caldor. Life tell. Nice body. Under the floor. All these things we we know about red. I know. Nice tried to stop him. But that was crazy. I'm not, am I, Dollar? Take it easy. I'm not crazy. Well, that's that. Expense account item seven, thirty-seven dollars and a half, miscellaneous. Item eight, same as one, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $286.45. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Welcome back. 
different case here for Johnny. And it's definitely a downbeat uh, story as the ultimate cause of the killing of the horse wasn't some logical motive, but this sort of you know, mental and emotional decline, which a lot of people were trying to cover up. Overall, an interesting episode. I really wish we did have it in better sound quality, though. All right, well, uh, some listener comments and feedback, and we start with a voicemail. Love to get these. You can send your voicemails uh, to 208-991-4783. That's 208 208- 991-GRAIT-G-R-8-D. And remember, it's not a tech support line. Let's go ahead and take a listen to uh, this voicemail from a listener. I was just going to make a comment in regards to today's program on Johnny Dollar. Uh, two things, long-distance phone calls uh, to Germany and Japan would have been uh, priority things to mention at that time because we had servicemen who were stationed in both places, uh, and there would have been a lot of people trying to call their loved ones that way. Secondly, then the uh, call, collect call by the police station, most likely what would have been taking place is Johnny would have called, not been able to get a hold of the individual, whoever he was trying to contact, and had him return the call, which would have caused the gentleman to reverse and collect call. Uh, the charges, and uh, that's most likely why. Have a great day and a good holiday season. Hope this came through. Bye. Well, thanks so much for the voicemail, and I think a couple of really good explanations. I also received another email, this one from George, which uh, in uh, uh, Atlanta provides some additional uh, clarification. Hello, Adam. I just wanted to comment on a listener question following the Brisbane uh, fraud matter about 1953 police departments making collect calls and why they would have done that. From working over 30 years in a large metropolitan police department from 1979 onwards, that situation sounds perfectly plausible. You were correct to point out how long distance was very expensive in that era. So much so that many, probably most people, regarded using long distance as something to use only in emergencies, say, for a sick or dying family member. That attitude, which lasted to a diminishing degree until the breakup of the Bell uh, system in the 1980s, logically permeated business and government policies. In my jurisdiction, long-distance calls could only be made for specific work matter, such as an investigation, and it had to be carefully logged, including the minutes and a description of the need for it. Uh, That actually persisted into the beginning of the 90s. Governments are very slow to change such policies. Aside from monitoring expenditures, it was also aimed to keep city employees from making long-distance calls on the taxpayer's dime. Early on, if a call wasn't that important, or you were returning a long-distance call that you couldn't yet link to an investigation, it was supposed to be collect. That did change over time, but it took longer uh, than to be, accept- uh, to be accepted than it was by the public. Uh, thanks, as always, for your great programming and uh, sharing listener comments. And he uh, sent along a follow-up email. 
He adds one additional point regarding long-distance calls collect or not by police departments. In most cases, at least with larger agencies, a voice call was not even needed, as messages could be sent directly to other agencies via the Telex or TWX teletypewriter exchange service, which operated much like a telegraph-slash-telegram service. Uh, we've all seen this in countless movies and TV shows where a detective is standing at a clattering teleprinter typing out a tersely worded message from the FBI or another police department. These were torn off and read aloud, or the camera might even be zoomed in to see the messages it is typed out. These systems were secure, affordable, and highly functional uh, negating the need for expensive voice calls. Well, thanks so much for the comments, George. I really do uh, appreciate it, and thanks so much for uh, the years you dedicated to law enforcement. It really was such a different world when it came to this whole situation with long-distance calls. You mentioned the bells, and I was listening to some of the mutual radio theater programs. We'll be doing a review of the mutual radio theater with the first 20 episodes over at greatdetectives.net. But, but Bell was one of the sponsors. And if you listen to a mutual radio theater original broadcast, you get to hear the Reach Out and Touch Someone campaign. And the focus on that was on using long distance to call people, which I think would be something unthinkable in 2021. You know, T-Mobile or whoever your phone company is, you know, doesn't really care, particularly if they're giving you uh, free long distance. They don't care if you use long distance and they're not going to promote you using long distance. It doesn't make them any money. But in previous decades, it was a big moneymaker, so much so that Bell ran this huge national campaign to encourage people to call others long distance. That was the point of the Reach Out and Touch Someone campaign. Although I think the main people they were concerned about touching were uh, stock owners of the uh, Bell company. So obviously they operated quite differently. So appreciate all of that sort of uh, insider perspective. Kate writes in, Hello Adam, holy smokes, Brisbane leaves his wife and everyone else to go off on an adventure with another man. His wife wonders aloud, perhaps rhetorically, why he didn't just tell her. And Johnny said maybe he did. And he goes on to explain that clearly Mrs. B hadn't been listening to her husband. I expect that's true. They've been married 18 years and sleep in separate rooms. She has no knowledge of his things and didn't realize he was gone for a little more than two days. But maybe he, he did feels a little harsh. She should have slapped his face. <laughs> I might have done. I think that uh, there are things that you know, I hear some of these detectives say, whether right or wrong, that I just kind of cringe imagining what would happen to me, what fate would befall me were I to say the same thing. Kate uh, goes on, well, I'm enjoying the John Lund episodes much more than I did the first time around. Bob Bailey is still my favorite. 
but Lund brings a different interpretation to the role, that's for sure. Take good care, Adam. I hope you and your family are safe and well. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you so much, Kate. And then we have a comment on Facebook from Eric, uh, who writes in, I don't think I like how Johnny is all of a sudden riding along as a partner of the police so much, even though the episodes have been pretty solid. I know that uh, the procedurals became all the rage at this time, so I get why they are doing this. It's just not really in the show's DNA. It works when they do it on a few occasions a season, but I'm glad they didn't keep up this trend. It's kind of like if they had gone to Colombo in 1978 and said, know what's hot uh, in crime right now? Hawaii Five O and chips, and suddenly there was a car chase or shootout at the end of each episode. Sure, it could work, though you'd definitely have to have other characters do the driving and shooting. Uh, but there's just something off about it. I, I would love to see have seen Columbo in a serious car chase in his car. I, I don't know, like, you know, chasing this uh, murderer in maybe a golf cart. That might, that might have been a close one. Uh, I think most other vehicles it probably would not have worked out. Well, I definitely understand uh, the com the uh, comment, and uh, you know, I I think that it's not my preferred way of going about it. I do think it's uh, not necessarily analogous to Columbo. Columbo in uh, 1978 had been a really successful show. It was probably the most successful program of the 1970s. Johnny Dollar in uh, 1953 and 1954 is in a radio landscape where programs are disappearing left and right. And the question is, how can we keep some of these programs around? How can we keep things going? And so in that instance, it becomes a lot more justified. We have to give this uh, program the best chance of survival. And I will say with Columbo, even though it was not necessary for survival, and the show was such a huge success, they did mess around with the formula. In 1976, they did a last salute to the Commodore where they had Columbo actually try and be a sort of typical whodunit. And then when the series came back, it seemed like about half the episodes, you know, they were tinkering with uh, the... Uh, inverted mystery formula. They even adapted a couple of Ed McBain novels, which very different from a typical Columbo. Okay, so for this one, we're going to not actually have a murder. We're going to have Columbo's niece kidnapped from her wedding by a deranged predator, and Columbo has to track them down. And then, okay, for this movie, we're not we're going to give Columbo a partner, and we're going to have him go around and try to solve cases in disguise. And those tended not to be the best episodes of the series. I will say that one of the strengths of Johnny Dollar, particularly the way that it was uh, written, is that there really was a lot of room, a lot of give to 
try out new ideas and new approaches, and even to vary what happens from week to week. Because he can be in anywhere in the world, he can take a wide variety of different cases, which it might be plausible for an insurance investigator to investigate which left room for a lot of different writers and producers to put their own spin on the type of adventure that Johnny would have. And certainly that flexibility, I think, allowed it to continue to come back when other series were failing. That said, I once again agree with Eric that the assistant police officer stories aren't the ones that really play well to the series' strength. All right, well, now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And today we're focusing on Patreon supporters who have been supporting the podcast for five years. And I want to thank Seth. Seth has been one of our Patreon supporters since December 2016, currently supporting the podcast at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support, Seth. Well, that will actually do it for today. If you are listening to this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. Next Friday, we'll have another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar for you. But coming up tomorrow, it's time to head out west for an episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Several years ago, the town of Kilman, Texas, boasted a population of slightly under 3,000 inhabitants. Until a wildcat gusher started a fabulous new oil boom. In a matter of months, the population rose to 12,000 as drillers, roughnecks, and other field personnel poured in. And behind them, like vultures, came the horde of racketeers, gamblers, and grifters. But even organized vice was not profitable enough for the boss of the crime syndicate, Frankie Gennaro. Gennaro started to move in on the oil business itself. Uh, sure, Paul is alone, Stetson? Yeah, Frankie. In the shack with the light. What have we been getting from him? Herb's got the figures. Yeah, he's got uh, four wells in production. We've been getting 200 barrels a day. So what's his beef? He's still getting 20. He choked the wells down. Says he won't pay off anymore. Yeah, we'll see about that. You better come in too, Herb. Yeah, okay, Frank. Don't knock open it. Hey, what's the idea busting in here? No idea, Paul. I hear you've had some kind of a misunderstanding with my boys here. There's no misunderstanding, Gennaro. You're just not getting any more oil from my wells. I'm not taking any more threats from you or your tin-horned friends. Watch what you're saying, Paul. I'll say what I want. I'll not only say it to you, I'll say it to the law. Your mouth's got a loose trigger, Paul. Shoots off to easy. Right. Get out. Get out of here before I bend this pipe wrench over your head. Hey, I'm shot. Let go of me. Oh. Grab him, Frankie. Let me go. He's got a knife. Let him have it, Herb. Ah. Oh. He clipped me with that wrench. Well, he won't do it again, Sutch. This will teach the other operators not to get smart. Come on, Herb. Yeah. Let's get out of here. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives, and follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives.
from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.